good morning. I'll tell you what, what a fun day. I'm so glad you're with us today. If you're watching online, man, it's a, yeah, it's a fun day to come to church. I'm so glad you're joining us, and, and uh, thank you for being here. And, and you know, I tell you, the Lord has something to say to us today. This weekend uh, was Elevation Weekend. Did you know that? Did y'all know that? Uh, um, and... Um, you know, the focus was uprising. That's the, that was a theme this weekend. And, and, the, and basically, the, the call was that it's time to rise up. It's time to uh, walk with the Lord. This is the time to, uh, to live your life surrendered to Christ. This is the time to, to make sure you don't float through life. And, and, you know, there's a temptation to do that, to float through life. And, I, and as I've watched, it was so fun to experience this weekend, as I've watched our students this weekend um, with pens in their hands, seeking the Lord, worshiping the Lord, taking notes around the Word of God and being pushed to grow in their walk with the Lord. And here's the reality. If you study history of revivals in the world, you know where it started? Young people. It started with Students. They got serious about the Lord. And, and when I think about what you guys have gone through this week and, and the life that awaits you if you walk with the Lord from this point forward, oh my goodness, the, 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 the journey you will have trusting the Lord. If you can learn as a young person, as a teenager, to make your life count for the kingdom, Man, hold on. And I'm grateful to be a part of a church that is saying, hey, let's, let's pay attention to what Paul said in 1 Timothy 4.12. Remember that? Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set the example for the believers in your speech, in your life, in your faith, in your love, and in your purity. And I'll tell you, it's exciting to watch the Lord move in your life this weekend. And I'm proud of you, and I look forward to seeing what the Lord does. You know, if you have your Bibles, turn to Colossians 1. It's where we are today. We're, we're tracking through the book of Colossians. And, and, um, and, and you know, last week I, I used a word that we don't use very often. It's a, it's a word that I'll, I'll, I'm going to explain again. But, but it's, a, it's an important uh, battle we are facing. It's a word that we need to be aware of. It's a, it's a temptation that is prevalent in front of us. And it's the idea of syncretism. Now, syncretism describes this pressure that I'm sensing, I'm feeling, uh, that we're, we're observing in the world, that, that you, we need to syncretize our Christianity with every other belief system. Syncretism describes the temptation to unite different religions, beliefs, or spirituality, and what we need to do is take the best of each, and that gives you a picture of God, of the divine. Now, now, there's a problem with that, that idea, because, you know, when you look at, when you think about that idea, the Bible tells something different. It tells a different story. It points to the fact that, that, that there aren't many paths to God. There's one way to God. The, the way to Christ, the road to Christ is a narrow road. And none of us have to look too far into our culture, into our world to recognize that now is the time to rise up in our walk with the Lord. Now is the time to trust the Lord. And, and we need to understand that to miss Christ is to miss God. And, and what, what our world desperately needs to see is Christ. 
in, in who he is and, and what he's done. And, and, and religion is this pressure that we're seeing. We live in such a spiritual world. People love spirituality, but to, to have spirituality without Christ misses God. And this is what our world needs to see. And this is the example we need to set as we walk with the Lord. And in and, and Christianity, it, it's not religion. It reveals a different story. Christianity doesn't speak to religion. Religion is man's attempt to get to God. What is the story of the Bible? The story of the Bible is when God came to man. God came to us. And this morning, in Colossians, there's, there's a, there, you, can't, you can't study the book of Colossians without without understanding this idea, that, that Christ is not just prominent. There's a lot of people that say, oh, let's make Christ prominent. No, Christ is not just prominent. Christ is preeminent. Christ is the, he's the only God. He's the only way to heaven. And, and this, is, this is a major theme in the book of Colossians. And when I, when I look at what we're gonna, the passage we're looking at today, God reminds us of some very important things. He, he speaks to us about suffering and difficult times. And he reminds us that there will never be a day, never be a moment that God will leave us, ever. You know, it's interesting, when my kids were born, we brought them home, and, and Robin is like, let's, let's decorate the, the nursery. We, we made it into Noah's Ark, and so we had animals all over. I was like, great, Robin, the destruction of the world. That's what our kids are going to come home to, uh, Noah's Ark. Uh, man, this is a great strategy. You need Jesus, kids, because the world's destroyed. You know, I'm just kidding. It was, it was cute. But, um, but, but we brought them home, and we wrapped them up, the little babies, we put them in a, in a crib and we had pillows around them and they were safe and cuddly and sweet. Well, well, you know what happens when we're born spiritually, when we're born again? You know what happens when we're born again? God doesn't wrap us up and put us around pillows. We immediately enter into a spiritual battle. And, and let me tell you something. God moved in the heart of our students this weekend. And God is drawing us to his will. And, and, and God moved in the heart of these students to focus them and to say, look, let's not coast through life. Let's follow the Lord. Well, guess what? There was a fight that just got picked with an enemy. And I'll tell you, we've got to understand tough times. We've got, we got to have a good understanding of difficult circumstances. Colossians 1, if you have your Bibles, we're going to start in verse 24. Stand with me and let's read this passage together. Colossians 1, 24 through 29. Paul writes this to this church, to our church. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for the ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints." To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may, we may present everyone mature in Christ. 
For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, now, now the first thing that we need to see from this passage, if you're taking notes with us today, is this, is that God will not keep us from difficult circumstances. And this is an important truth to understand. And, and, and when you take the time to, to read your Bible, you notice this. You notice that all through history, God's people faced tough times. Uh, when you look at your life, you can recognize that God has called us to walk through tough times. Uh, we have to develop a real biblical understanding of difficulties and hardship. And, and, and we can't m- make the mistake of missing the value of suffering, of difficulty. And, and, and you know, it's interesting, as you look at the Bible, there, there's so many passages, like, like Psalm 13, for example. Psalm 13 is this really interesting psalm of David where he, he starts out this psalm, and, and it's really a bad time. He's, he's questioning, God, where are you? Are my enemies going to destroy me? And, and, and I don't think this is working out following you. But then he gets to the end of Psalm 13 and he says, no, but I have learned to trust in your love. I've learned to trust in your plan. Psalm 77 is, a, is one of those psalms that just causes my mind to just question and go, man, why would God allow this to be in Psalm 77? Asaph writes the first nine verses of Psalm 77 and he basically says, so he says this, God, have your promises failed for all time? And that's a big statement to say to God, to look at God as man, as a human being, and say, God, have you failed? Have you messed up here? And it's interesting, he goes on at the end of that psalm to start listing, wait wait a minute, I've seen God do this, and he starts listing all the things that God has done. I think about John the Baptist in in Matthew 11. John the Baptist, you know his story, right? John the Baptist leapt in his, his mother's womb when, when Mary came in pregnant. He, he grew up with Jesus as his cousin. He, he baptized Jesus in that moment that, that, that the spirit fell on Jesus like a dove. And, and, and John made that claim, this is the son of God. He knew that. But yet in Matthew 11, John is arrested and he's struggling. He's facing a difficult circumstance. And what does he do? He sends his disciples to Jesus going, hey, are you really the Messiah? John knew that. But yet he doubted and he struggled because it was a tough time. And, and, and then there's Thomas. We know Thomas at the end of John. He's going through the cross. Or the, he went the, the, after the cross, he was doubting. He was wondering, God, where are you? I don't get it. I'm not going to believe unless I see the nail prints in his hand, he says. And then what did Jesus do? He showed up. And Thomas doubted. And you know, the only thing I can really process is I think about those stories and those moments in Scripture. It's natural for us to question, God, I don't understand life all the time. Why do bad things happen? Why do I have to go through this tough time? Why do we have to go through this coronavirus craziness right now? But here's, here's what I've learned. Do you know that God's big enough to handle every question you have? That, that God is not, um, aren't you grateful that God is not offended when you struggle with doubts, when I struggle with doubts? But what do we do with that? We can't stay in our doubts. 
We've got to understand what the Bible says about suffering. And in verse 24 is a lot easier said than done. Look at verse 24. Look at what Paul says. He says, now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake and in my flesh. I am filling as lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. Now, it's hard to rejoice in suffering, right? It's hard to do that. As I, as I process suffering, why do bad things happen? Why do we have to face difficult times? Well, let's think about that for a second. Because, you know, sometimes suffering comes, and, and I want you to write a couple of words down. They're not, they're not in your notes, but if you want to process why do bad things happen, here's, here's a couple of words that you can, you, that help me. The first word is sin, Right? Sometimes suffering comes about because of sin, because we disobey the Lord and, and, and we rebel against God. And sometimes we do sin and we stumble. And, and we, we have to learn that age-old truth that, about sin, that sin will take you further than you want to go. Sin will always keep you longer than you want to stay. Sin has a price tag higher than you want to pay. And this is the reality of sin. And, and I'll be honest with you, sometimes suffering comes in our life because we're just disobedient to God. We rebel against God. And that's one of the things I want to push one another. That's why I love being a part of a church. And, and even though we have to work to connect in these days with being online and being in the room and wearing masks, all those things, look, we all, we've always had to work to connect. We, we don't mind doing that work. Let's figure it out. Let's work to connect because we need one another. But, but I, I think about how important it is for us to have a moment like we did this weekend of challenging our teenagers. Walk with the Lord. Don't fall into those traps. And we all need to be reminded of that. Sometimes sin causes suffering. Now, uh, it frustrates me because sometimes I, I meet people that think every bit of suffering is sin. I've got a friend that worked for me for years. He's now a pastor in Newcastle. And, and, and Jeremy's son died of cancer. And people came up, some people came up to Jeremy and said, oh, well, the reason your son has cancer is you've got sin in your life. And that makes me go, what, what are you talking about? That's, the, that's, that's not what the Bible says. Not every bit of suffering comes because of sin. There, there's other reasons for suffering. And, and we see it right here laid out with Paul. Uh, one, one of those, here's another word, a second word. Sin is a reason for suffering. A second word you can write down to understand suffering. Salvation. You know that sometimes suffering comes so that people would come to know Christ. That sometimes we have to go through difficult times because through those circumstances, God brings people to Jesus. And this is what's happening in Paul's life. We've got to realize Paul is in prison writing this letter. And it's interesting because uh, as he's in prison, I mean, we've got to remember, he's not sitting on a beach drinking a fruit drink with an umbrella in it writing a letter here. He's in jail. This is called the bummer of a time. And it reminds me of Paul's attitude in the middle of this difficult circumstances. Ephesians 4.1 is my life verse. And, and I, 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 when I was surrendered into ministry at 15, at 15 years old, God spoke to me about what I was going to do with my life. And this is why I love what we did this weekend, because no one can tell me that God won't speak to you as a teenager and set a direction for your life. And this is why I love seeing, the, the, seeing you learn to walk with the Lord and listen to the Lord. 
Because these are significant moments. Ephesians 4.1 was a verse my dad put on my Bible right after I surrendered to the ministry, which Paul wrote. And he says this, as a, uh, I urge you uh, as a prisoner for the Lord to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. And I love Paul's attitude. He's in prison. He said, you know what? If I'm going to be in prison, I'm going to be a prisoner for the Lord. And, and we ought to, that's a beautiful vision for suffering. If we go through a tough time, Lord, I'm going to do it for you. And this is the call that we have. Another word that we have for suffering, an enemy. Sometimes we suffer for sin, and we got to not do that. But sometimes we suffer for salvation. We're, we're going to share the gospel. Sometimes we suffer because there's an enemy attacking us. And, you know, Satan, I think right here in Paul's life, there were some people, some leaders that were looking at those, that church at Colossae going, you mean you're going to listen to Paul? He's in jail. Have you figured that out? God's really been there for him, right? You know, he had, I think Paul had physical enemies. I think he had a spiritual enemy going against his heart and, and discouraging him as he's in jail. But, but, but look, God used Paul to help us understand that, no, in suffering, not only is there salvation opportunities? Not only is there an enemy, but there's also growth. That's a fourth word to write down, growth. Don't you realize that, that suffering develops growth in your life? Suffering produces a greater knowledge and understanding of God. Look what he says in verse 24. In my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. That is the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you. Look at this, to make the word of God fully known. This mystery hidden for the ages, but now revealed to his saints. And what Paul does, he turns this around and says to the church, look, suffering produces growth in us. And let me, let's not forget that. God supernaturally works through difficult times. And for those of you that have, that have really fallen the Lord right now, God has spoken to you. Hey, we got to get ready for a battle because Satan's going to come and attack you. And, and, and some people are going to say, hey, why don't you all chill out a little bit with your walk with the Lord? You know, hey, it makes us uncomfortable for you to come down front and like sing and stuff. Hey, get your hand down. We don't do that around here, man. Tone it down a bit. Look, maybe we should tone it up a bit. And let's, 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 let's recognize the, the joy of expressing our walk with the Lord. But here's what I want us to see. Tough times reveal the power of God. And when those battles come, not if those battles come, recognize tough times will reveal God's power. Don't miss that. Let's not miss this moment in history where tough times will reveal the power of God for us. Difficult circumstances reveal the power of God. That is so huge. And I realize it's hard to recognize the value of difficult, of suffering in the midst of it. But folks, let me tell you, God uses suffering. God uses difficult times. And, and here's another thing that just causes our mind to go, and don't miss this. You realize that, that suffering is a calling you have as a believer. You know that we're called to suffer? Now, now we live in this world that's like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Chris, when you follow Jesus, aren't you supposed to be healthy, wealthy, and prosperous? Not according to the world's standards. But look, read your Bible. 
God prepares us for difficult times. I mean, think about this, 1 Peter chapter 2. Let's listen to this for a second. Uh, But what is it to your credit, Peter writes? What is it to your credit if you should uh, suffer for doing wrong and endure it? But if you should suffer for doing good and endure it, this is commendable before God. Okay, think about this one for a second. Let's put this one in our pipe and smoke it right here. To this you were called. Think about that. What is it to your credit if you should receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you should receive a beating and doing good and, for doing good and endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called. Why? Because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. And folks, when I think about the life we're to live, we are to live a life following in the steps of Christ. And what I want us to do, whatever age we are, let's learn from our teenagers' challenge this week as they committed, Lord, we will follow in your steps no matter what comes our way, no matter the circumstances, no matter the challenges, Lord, we will follow you. And I'll tell you, that's worth coming today. And and when I think about how Christ uses suffering in our lives, it's a, he's at work in the middle of it. Let's never forget that. But let's not miss what else we see in this passage. Point number two is this. Christ brings mysterious changes with our salvation. I want you to think about the mysterious changes that take place when Christ comes into your life. Colossians 1.27. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. Now, what's the mystery? which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let's think about that. That's the mystery of Christ. That's the message so many in the world miss. So many people in the world think, I need to be religious. I need to come to church or I need to learn about God. But I'll tell you, the mystery of Christ is not just learning about God. It's knowing him. We get to know him. We get to walk with him i got to tell you a story about one of our teenagers that's in this room right now. She's a tennis player. And uh, last week, I think, a week and a half ago, Wyoming's tennis team came to Tulsa to play, the University of Wyoming's girls' tennis team. And one of our students played with one of their players in a tournament at Indian Springs. And she was from Denmark, about 6'3", and this girl could swing it. She was a good player. And, and they, they hosted them, and on the way back, she was, they were talking about our community, and, our, and, and, and God came up. And, and this girl from Denmark said, are you religious? And one of our teenagers said, no, I'm not religious, not at all. And she's like, I don't understand. She goes, you know, the Bible speaks of a, we get to have a relationship with God. And this girl was like, what? I got I to gotta find more about that. I've never heard about that. I've never heard about, I get to have a relationship with God. I've always been fascinated about a God I could know. You see, that's the mystery. 
that the Bible speaks of, that we don't just know about God, we get to know God, we get to walk with God, we get to follow the Lord. He speaks to us, he guides us, he leads us, he convicts us, he directs us. This is the joy of knowing God. And imagine, look at what he says. He says, and, and how great among the Gentiles this is made known to us. That's, that's big for us. And think about when the, the audience here at Colossae, full of Gentiles, those are non-Jews, and they are getting the news like, wait a minute, I am included. I can be forgiven. I can know God too. And see, I don't want you to miss the call of a personal relationship with Christ. You know what happened when Christ came into your life, right? I mean, I, I had another talk with one of our students in the last week that said, um, you know, I'm struggling because I got saved when I was eight, and I really don't remember my seven-year-old lostness, and it's tough to figure out what I, how lost I was. But, but we sat down and said, wait, wait, let's talk about what, what salvation did for you. And, and you know this, when, when, when Christ came into your life, all your sins were forgiven. Not just your past sins, but your present sins and your future sins. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing that when Christ came into your life, he washed you for good? Now, that doesn't mean we don't confess our sins. That doesn't mean we're going to stop struggling with sin. But no, the penalty for our sin is no longer held against us. That's what salvation brings to you. Your sins are forgiven. When, when you were saved, guess what happened? You became a child of God. Oh, my goodness, you became a child of God. You know, that means we, we have his name. You know, when we have a heavenly father, let me tell you something, that's a protector. So we can really say to anybody, my dad can beat up your dad. Absolutely he can. We have a protector. We've become a child of God. When you came to Christ, you received eternal life. Eternal life. That means death no longer has a sting for you. When you came to Christ, you know what happened? Satan no longer had a, has a hold on you. You've been transferred into the kingdom of God. How cool is that? Oh my goodness. That's what happened when Christ saved you. Christ lives in you. And that's the mystery. That's what I don't want you to miss. I don't want you to think if I just come to church, I'm good. No, the Holy Spirit, when you are saved, Christ comes in you. Has Christ, is Christ in your life? Have you come to that moment where you said, Jesus, I need you in my life. I need to be forgiven. I need you to save me. Because salvation is not something you can earn by going to church. No, it's a gift you receive. And when you receive it, Christ comes in you and you become this new creation. God declares you righteous. And, and it's beautiful because you enter this relationship with God that is personal. And God completely accepts you. Completely. And, and the best picture I got of that, as I, I, Robin and I were driving, maybe yesterday, and I was thinking about heaven and about what happens the minute I go to heaven. And, and you know, you, you've, we've all seen scenes like this of the soldier that is um, surprising his family as he comes home. There's a scene I saw of a, 
family gathering around the table and there's a knock at the door and their son came home and surprised everybody and they're like, oh my goodness, you're home. You realize that's heaven, right? The day you draw your last breath, it's going to be, oh my goodness, we're home. I'm home. I can't wait to get home. That's heaven. Notice what it says. To them, God chose to make known how, verse 27, to them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hey, folks, now is the time for our church to rise up. Now is the time for us to not leave this moment. There are big moments in life, right? This is a big moment in life. Now's the time for us to rise up and say, let's not float through life. Let's not live in fear, because look, look at what verse 28 says, to him we proclaim, warning everyone, and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling, look at this, with all his energy, that he powerfully works in me. Isn't that cool that that in the midst of the suffering, in the midst of the difficult times, what does God do? He gives us his energy. He gives us his power. He works within us. And I don't want to miss life um, missing out on that kind of adventure to let the power of God working in me and through me. And I think about you as teenagers, if you can get that hunger now to say, Lord, I will follow you. Oh my goodness, the life that awaits you. Now some of you may be going, well, hey, Chris, I'm, I'm older now. It's too late for me. Oh, it's not too late. Because I want you to know these days are drawing us close to God. That's what these days are doing. And I get frustrated with these pastors that I see on Twitter that keep going, oh man, the sky's falling. Oh, we're going to hell in a handbasket. God's drawing us close to him right now. Let's not miss that. You know, these difficulties point others to God's power, not his weakness. I mean, pardon me, I'm not going to be a pastor that gripes about our times. I'm going to be one that's like, okay, Lord, your power is shown perfect in weakness. Let's get after it. Let's stop complaining. Let's get after it. Let's serve the Lord. This time is helping us grow up. Aren't you grateful? You may think, oh, it's too late for me, Chris. No, it's not. You know what I did yesterday at 1 o'clock? There's a, there's a man in our community. I preached his funeral at 1 o'clock yesterday. He died of COVID. You know, this guy, as I got to know him and his story, he came to Christ at 17. 17 years old, came to Christ. And he... Uh, went to the military, and he kind of drifted. 
He kind of floated through life. And uh, you know what? He was a good man. He's a hard worker. He's a good dad. He was a faithful husband. His wife died about 15 years ago. He stayed faithful to her. He uh, worked hard. He was a good dad. But when it came to spiritual things, he just was kind of, just kind of didn't really, didn't really do much until eight months ago. About eight months ago, he walked in the back door, started sitting back there every week, about the same spot, third row, and had his Bible, started reading his Bible again and started coming back to the Lord. And he joined a group of our men in a Bible study in the morning. And um, that's where I found out at 17 he came to Christ. He died of COVID a few days ago. And his funeral was yesterday. He grew up in this community for years. Knew our church members. Knew Del Blackwood really well. Sue's the one that said, you need to go meet this guy. I met him and God was at work in his life. And you know what? Yesterday, his family started noticing. He's reading his Bible a lot. His friends were like, man, he's, he's kind of getting a little more serious about this. Yesterday, I stood and shared the gospel with those that he loved the most. His best friend came up to me afterwards and said, I just want you to know, I haven't been to church in a long time. And I said, well, Ken, come back. Come back. And he goes, I don't know. He goes, Look, can I ask you a question? Will you come see me? And then he told me where he lived. He didn't give me his address. He just told me where he lived. But I can find it. I know where it is. Now, to tell me that, that's like uh, sticking a bulldog on something. Mark Rodman told me some cool thing to say, but I can't remember something about a bulldog. <laughs> I can't remember what it was. But tomorrow, Paul and I are going to go to his house. And you know what's cool about that? Look, look, look at, I've just been thinking about this. Because we're watching, let's look at what God's doing in front of us. We're watching young teenagers get a vision for not coasting through life. We've seen in Noah, like we got to, for the last eight months, you may not have known it, but you've been going to church with an older man that said, you know what, I've, I've coasted for a while, but I'm coming back. And it wasn't too late. So let me tell you something. No matter who you are, it's not too late. It's time to rise up, folks. I'm going to ask you to bow your head where you are. If you're watching online, I want to I ask you in the room... If you need prayer, 
today. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to single you out. If you need prayer today, I want to pray for you. If you're online and you need prayer today, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to email me. My email is simple. It's chris at fbcowasso.org. If you need prayer, I want you to email me. If you need prayer in this room, I want you to raise your hand and just put it back down. Let me see it first. Raise your hand. Okay, I got you. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Okay, got you. Thank you. Anybody else? You just need prayer, okay? Thank you. Anybody else? I'm looking to my right. Anybody else? They need prayer. Okay, got you. Thank you. Okay, I'm looking in this center aisle. Anybody else need prayer? Help me out. Do it again if you raise your hand. Okay, thank you. Okay, I'm looking to my left. Got you in the center. Look at my left. Raise your hand if you need prayer. Okay, thank you. Okay. I want to pray over you right now. Lord Jesus, we hear you today that it's time for us to rise up and serve you. Father, you are on the, you are on the throne. And the suffering and the difficulties that we are facing, you are at work through it all. And if there is sin causing that suffering, Father, we today ask that you would help us repent of that and get that right. And change course. We repent it. We know repentance is turning the, the other way. But Father, some suffering may be just because you're at work. And Lord, help us trust you in it. Lord, there are many that raise their hand, and I don't know all the details of those prayers. But I am thankful, Lord, that you see us, you know us, that you are with us. Father, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you as Savior, if there's anybody online that, that doesn't know you as Savior, I pray that they would look to you today. Lord, move us now. In Jesus' name, amen.